The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Dollar General taking one more small step towards competing in healthcare. Will their methodical approach pay off? I'll talk about that. Then Stephen Megling from Haley Sue is in the house to share what consumers really want and how it can make healthcare brands relevant or irrelevant. We have to overcome the tendency to market ourselves from the provider's standpoint. And Stephen dives deep on how marketers can play a leading role in consumer transformation. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. You know healthcare has evolved when we're reading headlines from the supermarket news. It's nothing against the publication itself, of course. They boast a healthy newsletter subscriber base of 46,000 and monthly website users of over 700,000. This has to do with the fact that possible disruptors truly are coming from every angle. So let's dive in. The supermarket news reported that Dollar General is eyeing a bigger presence in healthcare and has appointed a healthcare advisory panel of industry subject matter experts who will serve as thought partners and strategists in helping Dollar General develop its strategy and best invest its resources in the health and wellness arena. The panel is highlighted by Dr. Patrick Carroll, the chief medical officer of Vita Health, who formerly held roles as chief medical officer at Walgreens, Hims and Herds, and Hartford Healthcare. Others include Dr. Katie Lands, the national board director for the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. Dr. Vaughn Nguyen, clinical lead of public and population health at Google, and Dr. Yolanda Hill-Wimberly, chief health equity officer at Grady Health Systems. Now, the timing's always interesting because we've barely heard a word about Dollar General's ambitions in healthcare since they appointed Dr. Albert Wu as chief medical officer in July of 2021. And their silence on the matter might not actually be a bad thing. Part of me likes the fact that they appear to be taking a different stance than Walmart's reversing course or Amazon's move fast and break things. And part of me respects that maybe they understand their brand and know that if they come charging out of the gates claiming to all of a sudden consider themselves a health and wellness company, it might not go over so well until they can point to some progress that they've made. Either way, if we're measuring the current disruptive threat level on a scale of 0 to 10, they're like at a 0.5, mostly because nothing's happened yet. But on a scale of their potential to impact consumers' health and wellness, I'd actually give them probably a 4 or 5. And that might be higher than you expect because of this one statistic. 
75% of the U.S. population lives within about five miles of a Dollar General store, providing unique access to rural and other communities often underserved in the current healthcare ecosystem. Food as medicine is a real answer to a real problem that's keeping millions of Americans from addressing this critical driver of health. It might be hard to know where Dollar General goes from here, and a lot might depend on how patient their shareholders are. To which I'd say, this is a fast-moving game. It's your move. My takeaway is to watch whether a methodical approach can be successful when everyone else seems to be tripping over themselves to get out of the gate, and to consider how everyday goods that you'd buy at the dollar store can lead to better health and wellness. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. Give it up for Stephen Megling. Stephen's the chief strategy officer for Haley Sue. They're a digital marketing firm for health brands. We're going to dive deep, and I have no idea which direction this conversation is going to go. I'm really looking forward to it. Stephen, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Let's start here. What else did I miss in your bio? You want to fill in some blanks for us? What would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Sure. Well, you know, my title at Haley Sue is chief strategy officer, and I think it's been the culmination of my journey in advertising and marketing. I started off as a writer, copywriter back in the day. First products were anything you could buy in a grocery store. And I realized pretty early on in my career that, you know, the creative briefs that I'm getting, the strategies that I'm asking to write about, they kind of suck. They're kind of flim, you know, a little thin, I guess. And so maybe what do I do from there? And then that's where I started shifting into account management and then account planning, eventually leading those departments and now chief strategy officer. You know what? I really feel like that does kind of follow an arc of the industry in general. That's that's very interesting. A little later, I definitely want to ask some career advice from you. So don't let me forget that. I know that's under, I understand that's one thing that, that, you've, <laughs> that you've done in the past with, with folks. Anyway, let me start here. This tells me a little bit about people. And I always just enjoy asking this question. Can you tell us someone that you look up to and why? Well, I've thought a lot about this question and I'm going to share what I'm going to share that I would have shared even if the concept and the, the flavor of your podcast was different. So the person that I look up to and that I admire, LL Cool J, 100%. So LL is, he's the goat. And uh, the reason why is because I think LL Cool J, back when he was 18 and today at his age, still going strong, he definitely embodies the true warrior archetype. And not a barbarian, but a true warrior, somebody who's disciplined, somebody who's focused, somebody you can count on to get the job done. And he has been inspiration for me ever since I was a little kid. First time to have LL stated there as an answer to that question. That's pretty amazing. That also leads me to this other question. So I'm connected with you on Instagram. I'm seeing you're, you're dropping some seriously sick beats out there. One you just did was a like a mashup of OPP by Naughty by Nature and Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. As soon as I heard it, like I hadn't even read the description yet. I'm like, I know what that song is. That's Poison. Like, what the heck? <laughs> okay, so I want to hear about your musical influences and you drum in a couple bands right now. Yeah, so I'll try to keep this interesting for the, uh, the non-musicians, the non-drummers in the crowd. Uh, but I've been playing drums ever since I was like three years old. And today, you know, I am a, a marketer and got a full-time job, but I do play in two bands. And it's quite literally a bunch of like high executives at IBM and big global brands and me and, 
and an amazing female vocalist. And we, we've been playing together for four or five years now. And I must say, quite honestly, playing in a band has been one of the best business decisions I've ever made. Not financially. I mean, I'm, I'm going broke playing drums in a band. But the ability that I found on how to connect with my band members on stage, non-verbally listening deeply to what they're doing and corresponding with that. It's actually been very transformative in, in my ability to connect and engage with others. Thanks for sharing. Super cool. Where I want to go with this, this is kind of a starting point for us, Stephen, and we'll just see where it goes. But I know that you're passionate about a few different things. And one of those is not doing marketing that sucks. <laughs> so... Marketing itself, I feel like, has changed a lot in healthcare. Right now, we, we're talking a lot about the consumer's point of view in healthcare, and you know, there's there a lot of us out there. I think a lot, a lot of our listeners would feel the same way. Like, you know, we like to focus on the consumer's point of view in healthcare right now. We're talking about it more than ever, and we like to bring the mindset and tools of the disruptors to the mainstream. We're trying to understand and, and learn, like, what are they focusing on, and what allows one organization to be more successful than another. And a lot of that does have to do with understanding consumers, understanding their real healthcare behaviors, understanding what they really want out of an encounter. There's a strong basis of consumer behavior and branding and marketing to healthcare when it's going right. What's your take on the disruption that's happening in the industry right now? Like, does it help consumers? What's your take on, on the disruption that's happening in healthcare right now? Well, the article that I wrote that allowed me to be reintroduced to you. I said in the beginning, it's a disrupt or be disrupted healthcare world right now. And you got to know which side of the coin you want to be on. You mentioned the Amazon news of late. This is the sign of things to come. I think we have to, as a category, healthcare, we have to stop being so darn stodgy and stop working on yesterday's problems. And it's easy for me to say, I get to sit and work at a cool agency and do cool things. I get it. My clients are just going bananas with 14-hour days and chronic workloads. So it's hard to feel like a disruptor when you have that onslaught of work and fire drills. But the bottom line is things are changing at such an exponential pace that the next 10 years will look, in my opinion, will look back and healthcare will be radically different in ways that we can't even describe right now. And I think we just need to just, just own that. Like this is a disrupt or be disrupted environment and you got to figure out which side you want to be on. Oh, that's a really good way of looking at it because I think it does imply some some choices that you can make, not only just in the way that we see things, but what we acknowledge as the difficulties and the challenges that have kept healthcare from being a more consumer-oriented experience in the first place. And yeah, like we can keep peeling back these layers of how the field of medicine and then the healthcare system built around it, what was designed and built, and yeah, decades, we're talking actually centuries of business systems layered on top of each other that, yeah, make it complicated. And it can be easy to just let that be kind of disheartening and have the mission of it all get lost in it. And so I'm glad you pointed to just the, the, the fact like there really is a choice of how we look at what's happening in healthcare there can definitely be some benefits to consumers. And I was just on a call earlier today where, you know, I was asked, like, what's my definition of a consumer? So, you know, it's probably worth mentioning that my definition of a consumer is just a, a person before they become a patient. It's an acknowledgement that we're making choices 
to impact our healthiness and happiness. Some of that's preventive, some of that's fitness, some of that's preventive care, but it's not all seeking out a doctor or healthcare professional and having a an in-person or a virtual visit. There's a lot more that happens before that, before we become a patient. And acknowledging that is my goal in using the word consumer. And it's not putting that above the needs of clinicians. It's not putting that above the needs of any organization, you know, above the business needs. And it's just that whole process, like that acknowledgement that I find organizations that are talking about that, doing research on that, truly understanding consumer behaviors are just better off. They're designing better experiences. They understand the need for making any part of healthcare easier. And right now I see that as building a competitive advantage. The organizations that are focused on that, I feel like can have a competitive advantage. Do you think making healthcare easier can be a competitive advantage? I mean, I think the answer is absolutely. It's an incredible advantage. It's the number two complaint of consumers. Number one is healthcare is too expensive and I have no idea how much it's going to cost me. Number two, the red tape. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from people who started healthcare companies because mom and dad had a bad healthcare experience and the CEO who ends up creating a healthcare organization does this because he's like, wait a second here, this... I'm college educated. I've got multiple degrees. I have some efficacy with regard to how businesses run. I cannot find my way through this red tape for mom and dad. We've got to do something different. And that's the disruption mindset. So making it easier, making it better, making it more consumer driven. I mean, that's the heart of disruption. And and if I may just add on, because you earlier on gave your definition of a consumer, which I think is very clean and very elegant. I think you said something to the effect that a a consumer is a person before they become a patient in essence, right? Okay. So I actually, I endorse that and and I use a similar definition. I actually add on one other piece to that. So I think a consumer is a person before they become a patient. And then the consumer is also somebody after the patient experience. They become a consumer again. And that's where the evaluation happens. Do I like this brand? Did I have a good experience? What am I going to say about it? Will I go, will I go back? It's really, really vital that we understand that. If we want to be competitive, if we want to have a product or a service that's going to stand the test of time. Well, I like that because you're bringing in one thing that marketers try to focus on, which is generating some word of mouth, generating an, an endorsement, the evaluation that you mentioned that happens after the care happens. And I think the acknowledgement of that is a milestone for marketers because we're having a different conversation than we did a few years ago. I feel like marketers can play a, a leading role in improving the healthcare experience and making it more consumer friendly. I just feel like this is a huge opportunity for marketers to play a leading role uh, in the consumer transformation of healthcare. I think we can be some of the evangelists for it. What's your take on that? Do you have any tips for marketing leaders at this point to help with the consumer transformation of healthcare? Great discourse. I love it. I would say for marketers, I think our central job, number one, is to be the voice of the consumer, to be the advocate of the consumer, to help our colleagues in the trenches, our clinicians, whoever, to have a much better perspective on that person before she becomes a patient. Because once I can lock arms with my colleague who is in the trenches and bring data, bring insights, bring perspectives, bring, hey, here are the shifts that are happening in the marketplace. And you might not see this directly in the exam room, but this is what's going on. I would say nine times out of 10, if you're, if you're working with decent 
good quality people, they're going to want to lean in to better understanding that patient, that consumer. And that's where the magic happens. I mean, I think you and I both know that if it were easy to fix healthcare, it would have been done a long time ago. The hard work is in the trenches and the hard work is building coalitions within so that there is a shared mission and a purpose. And I think the marketer's role is to say, hey, you know, I think we're all here for the benefit of the patient. And I call the patient consumer because that's typically where I intersect with that one individual. And you may intersect as the person identifies as a patient having a care experience. How can I help you? And if you want me to help you, clinical person, to have more of this type of patient in your exam room, you know, here's what we need to know and here's what we need to do. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Okay, back to the flow. I definitely wanted to ask you if you had any hot takes, just because it's it's what everyone has talked about recently. If you had any hot takes on the Amazon One medical announcement recently, you've uh, you've posted or commented about Scott Galloway, Prof G, uh, about his take on it, which was uh, quite interesting. Where are you on all of this? The whole Amazon One medical merger. Well, I, quite frankly, I'm surprised that in the healthcare community there hasn't been more buzz about it, and there's been plenty of conversation. There's been plenty of headlines, plenty of people sharing on on LinkedIn and other platforms. But I think this news is is way too serious for what I've seen so far. I think people should really have this is a moment. This is a moment. I may sound like a quack, but I've been I've been right on my predictions enough that I feel confident. I mean, years ago, eight or nine years ago, I wrote about a coming trend in healthcare called the phantom competition. And what I was trying to explain then was, hey, hospitals, who you're going to be competing against in, in soon enough, it's not going to be another hospital. It's going to be Amazon. It's going to be CVS. It's going to be all these brands. And they were all making these overtures. And uh, I only share that not to say, look how smart I am. But no, no, no. It's just the writing's on the wall. Like it seemed pretty obvious. And here we go. This is a big move from Amazon. And I mean... Look, I just ordered two things from Amazon today. They'll be at my house by the time I get home. Like, this is a company that just succeeds. And they've had some missteps because it's healthcare. Healthcare is messy. It's different. It's complex. But I think we need to really take that news pretty seriously. And again, it goes back to the disrupt or be disrupted mindset. So are there are there any starting points? Yeah, so this kind of goes back to the thread that we had a, a moment ago of locking arms with our colleagues internally and really at least at, at some point saying, okay, what can we agree on? That we've shared philosophy, patient-centered experience, great care. Like what, what can we at least agree on? And there will be some places that we 
you know, marketers speak a different kind of language than, than HR or clinical or operations at times, right? So maybe I'll answer that question by just putting on my marketing hat and I'll just say, hey, organization, the top of the funnel is going to be really hard and challenging for us. We need to start thinking about the top of the patient funnel, the top of the consumer funnel using our nomenclature and I think our agreed upon definitions here. Because more and more, our consumers are slipping away from our health systems before we've had a chance to intersect with them and get them involved with our care providers, our primary care providers, our specialists. They're just disappearing. You saw this in April of 2020. All of a sudden with telehealth, you had, you were now hospitals in small rural uh, states were now competing across state lines with providers that had telehealth because the rules changed. And I said, look guys, here we go. Top of the funnel. This is going to be challenging from now on. It's going to be harder to get those patients into that funnel and through the funnel. The marketing funnel is what I'm referring to. I should should add some commentary on that. So I say to marketers, I say to organizations, let's really, really get tight on our funnel. Let's really make sure because there's so many more options out there and consumers are just slipping through our fingertips and we're, and we're not even aware of that because how do you track that exactly? I mean, there are ways to do it, but most organizations aren't set up and optimized to do that. That's a really good point. I mean, that can be a deterrent or that can be an enabler of a marketing strategy based on what you can track. And you mentioned you know, telehealth visits, virtual visits, for instance, in, uh, in Scott Galloway's Piece I'm, I'm reading from his. He just he pointed to some research from McKinsey that estimates that the number of telehealth visits has stabilized at 38 times pre-pandemic levels. So you know we still hear all the time. I, I do at least of uh, players saying, "Well, you know, virtual visits have dropped back down. Maybe consumers don't want them." And I definitely think that's true in some cases. But is it because we weren't prepared to offer them an experience with a virtual visit that was very good? <laughs> a lot of the health systems I knew beginning of the pandemic, were standing up a virtual visit program that they had studied in committees for years. And now they were all of a sudden standing it up in like five weeks, four weeks. And they admitted, at least internally, that, yeah, you know, we haven't made it easy, but hey, at least we've got this thing up and running. And, you know, we can try to optimize the experience as we go. You know, there was just some acknowledgement of, yeah, we know this isn't perfect, you know, but but we need to get it out there. It needs to be an option. So, you know, that just kind of told me that figure from McKinsey was interesting to see that it is still stabilized at a, a multiple of the pre-pandemic levels. And these are all factors for where we go from here. Well, I think I, think I just want to acknowledge the fallacy of the binary thinking framework. Now, you just described it with some of the pushback from, say, providers who thought, oh, well, see, telehealth, it's flatlining, you know, people don't want it. No, 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 that's binary thinking. That's that's either this or that. It's either in-person or it's telehealth. We're dealing with a complex system here. Healthcare is complex. There's no one or two, you know, either this or that. It's all of the above and then some. And so I think what we're seeing here with the telehealth, if we just use that as a framework to think about the larger landscape of healthcare is choice, Consumers are different. The more you know and appreciate your consumer audience, the more interesting they become because they're like snowflakes. You know, you can do audience personas, you can gang them up in different kinds of ways and be very thoughtful and strategic about kind of narrowing your focus as a brand. But consumers want different things. Different age cohorts want different things. People who live in different areas of the country want different things. 
And so, yeah, some people are just going to be like, yeah, I just want to go back to see my doc. Some people are like, you know, unless I have to go in somewhere, I'm always going to be on telehealth or like your most recent, one of your more recent podcasts where you talked a lot about these brands that are really pushing home visits, a throwback. Turns out people would love to open the door and have a quality care provider come in through the door and help. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to be either or, it's going to be and all the time. Okay, so before we go then, I, I do uh, want to take maybe a slightly different direction. There's a lot of, of just kind of career mentoring, if you will, just some insights there that you've had that you've been able to share. Any thoughts there, like uh, career advice or career tips that you've typically shared? <laughs> I went on a personal journey about 10 years ago to radically transform my life, clean my life up. I was very successful in many areas of my life and an absolute failure, fool, idiot, dummy in other areas, relationships, business partnerships, health. I mean, you name it. I just, I got a big F on a lot of those uh, important topics. And I met a wise man who changed my life. And then from there, my life changed radically over a long period of time. And so I decided a few years ago that what I've come to know and learn about this journey that we're on, and I, and I love the business context of it, there's a lot of inner work that we can do to improve ourselves so we can have a better quality of life, better relationships with others, with ourselves. And so, yes, I've, I've served as a mentor to a lot of people who are on that journey, and, and I find those conversations and that, that transformation to be thrilling. Are people approaching their careers differently? You know, we always hear about the great resignation, but I feel like that's only one piece of the puzzle or one like a lagging indicator rather than a leading indicator, if you will. You know, it kind of tells us where people are now. It doesn't tell me what's led up to it. Yeah, well, I'll just tug on that thread of the great resignation. Uh, again, it goes back to binary thinking. Binary thinking sucks. It's either this or that. It's either I hate this job and I go somewhere else. So you see this great exodus. Sometimes you just need to leave the job because the job sucks. Like sometimes no matter what you've done, you can't, you're not going to fix it. And I get that. But it's also why there's a new trend called the boomerang effect. 30 to 40% of the people who have left their jobs during this great resignation have come back to the original job and said, hey, would you hire me again? It turns out the grass isn't always greener. So the one common thread that I share with people and conversations I have about career advice is, Clean up your yard. If you don't like your job, if you if you think that you want to do something different, by all means, you should do it. But just make sure that wherever you go next, you're not taking with you unfinished business. Because those messy business relationships that you had, those colleagues that you didn't get along with, trust me, if you don't know how to get along with people, if you think everybody's the problem and you're, you're the saint, you're just going to find the same thing wherever you go. What do you hope, Stephen, that we're celebrating in the industry 12 months from now? We've talked about a lot of things that that are going well, some things that are not going so well. But what what do you hope we're celebrating? A year from now, we'll look back at this episode and we'll be like, hey, you know, here's something we're celebrating. Oh, I hope that everybody listening to this podcast, everybody in the healthcare industry has the opportunity to wake up to the excitement that it can be a very thrilling time. And I know so many of us have been burned out. Woo! Man, this pandemic is just, if it's not the job, it's the kids and how they've been dealing with the pandemic. I mean, it's come at us all number of ways. This has been a very challenging time to say the least, but I do hope we're celebrating that more and more people are saying, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready to live my purpose. 
I'm ready to get excited again. I'm ready to set some better boundaries and, and I'm ready to do work that matters and I'm ready to, to disrupt. Thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, I was look back and say, hey, we've made some progress on any of those things. I think that that would be tremendous to yes. be able to say that those are, you know, that we didn't just let life take us over. I want to make sure our listeners have a chance for you to point them to anything you're working on and what's the best way for them to connect with you. Uh, is that on LinkedIn? Is that somewhere else? Uh, what, what, how, how do people connect with you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is probably the best uh, social platform. And it's uh, Stephen with a P-H. And the last name is Megling. The O is silent. M-O-E-G-L-I-N-G. You can find me there. And if you want to check out my sick ass beats, you can find me on Instagram at, at Stephen Megling. I can appreciate it when I hear good stuff. So anyway, man, Thank you. super good. We'll have to, you know, find a way to get the band together some way or another. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Stay safe, stay well, and best of luck in everything you've got going on. Uh, and let's do this again sometime because I think, you know, we don't even have to wait a year. Like, let's see how we're doing as an industry on some of the things you mentioned and, and you know, where we can go next. And I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for giving us so much to think about. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.